Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Coming up on NASCAR America, Ryan Blaney will be driving for Team Penske starting next year. We'll go one-on-one as he looks to sweep this year's Pocono races. Matt DiBenedetto joins the show on a very special day for him, and he'll unveil his paint scheme for the Southern 500 at Darlington. And we'll have the story of Felix Sabatis, co-owner of Chip Ganassi Racing, and his new perspective after a major health scare. That's all ahead on NASCAR America. Welcome, everyone, to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. I'm Marty Snyder here at NBC Charlotte with Dale Jarrett and Kyle Petty, of course. And we've got a third driver on our roster today. Our special guest, Matt DiBenedetto, joins us in our next segment. Guys, I know this time of the year is often referred to as silly season. I think it's safe to say after the past couple of weeks, it's fairly, uh, very, very much underway, isn't it? I think in full force, yes. yes. Uh, pieces are starting to fall into place. The dominoes yeah. are starting to fall. I feel like I'm in the back seat, so I'm going to lean forward here <laughs> and say, here's what Be I Be careful, think. I'll turn the show around now. All right? <laughs> it is silly season, but everyone's not laughing. Uh, there's, no. a, there's a lot of people that are going to get left out on this thing. That's true, and at the end of the day, it is a very serious business. And let's get right to the news involving Team Penske and their 23-year-old star, Ryan Blaney. On Wednesday, it was announced that Blaney will join Team Penske next season in a third car that will be the number 12 car, joining, of course, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. Now, Paul Menard will leave RCR and replace Blaney in the 21 Wood Brothers car. Shortly after the announcement, Ryan Blaney shared his thoughts with our Dave Burns. A lot of news lately, and of course the latest is Ryan Blaney in the Team Penske camp 100% now. And I think a lot of us with the affiliation want to know what will be different now that you're 100% Penske. Um... The number and really the team I drive for. Uh, now this year we've had a great alliance with the Penske Group from the Wood Brothers, and that was really uh, that was a big deal. That was that was getting us to where we could run a full time season. Um, and I think that was really helpful not only to me but for Jeremy Bones as well, who'll be coming with me to the 12 car. So uh, really, honestly, a lot won't change. Uh, it's, it's nice to be adding a third car uh, in house at the Penske Group. That's a really big deal of expanding the Penske team while adding Paul Menard over on the 21 car. Uh, Paul's going to be a great fit for that team. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Ever since I got here in 2012, uh, that's been my main goal. I've wanted to drive a cup car for Roger Penske full-time and uh, really fortunate and, and I've had great opportunities to make it happen. And there's a lot of great people along the way who have made it happen. So uh, it's been nice to, to get the news and to be able to tell everybody finally uh, about what we're doing. But you know, mainly this, we're trying to finish out this year strong with the Wood Brothers with getting their 100th win. That's going to be really big. That's on my bucket list for this year and trying to get as far as we can in the playoffs. So we're going back to Pocono this weekend where we won last time. So hopefully we can sweep that place this year and uh, get them number 100. Okay, he's hit every subject now that I want to talk about, but let's flesh it out a little bit further. Uh, one of them was news. It all carries weight. Some of it lately has been bad for some guys. It was good news for you, but was it still kind of weighing on you that ah, I can't tell anybody right now? A little bit, you know. I, you know, obviously, 
we know the deal before we put it out to the media. And, and that's been uh, from getting harped on at the racetrack to social media of what are you doing, what are you doing. Uh, it takes a toll on you. And you can only not tell the truth for so long uh, to people or just keep your mouth shut. And it's nice to finally get it out there. And uh, not only to me, but to the team and to the fans of, of what they can look forward to just to just not have the questions anymore so we can go focus on our jobs again uh, of going to try to win races and, and you know advance in the playoffs so uh, it's nice to finally get out there I feel like we're you know we're pretty early in getting it out there and that's that's really what you need if you're going to add a whole nother team this is the right time to do it uh, because it's a lot more cars you have to build it's more personnel you have to hire so uh, it's nice to finally get out in the open just so we don't have to answer questions about it anymore not not tell the truth is what he's saying. Uh, Bowens and you, crew chief, driver, how important to you? Very important. Uh, you know, driver, crew chief relationship is everything in this sport. And I've been really lucky to be with Jeremy ever since 2012, ever since I got here. Uh, it was his first year here on the Xfinity car too. So I worked with him on the Xfinity program for a couple of years. And then when we went to go do uh, cup races, a couple in 2014, he was my crew chief. Uh, and then in 15, uh, we brought him over to the Wood Brothers. Uh, and then obviously you know the rest so it's nice to kind of bring him along with me uh he's a, been a great guy he's not only amazing at the racetrack uh it's been great to call him a friend off the racetrack uh and you hear drivers all the time talk about language between them and their crew chief and uh if you can get a certain language and communication is, is always there and uh you just kind of get a feel for each other we go back to pocono other than the fact that they see you coming this time what will be different uh not a lot to be honest with you um you know i feel like we might go in with a little bit more confidence just because we won that race last time, but um, you don't want to be overconfident. I don't think that's a good thing, but uh, I feel like we've done a great job all year of, of going to each racetrack and believing that we can win at any racetrack. Our cars have been fast enough, and, and our, our, our team is strong enough right now to where I truly believe that. So uh, just go in with the same confidence that, that we've been doing all year of trying to win stages and win races and uh, just trying to build your playoff stock really to – set yourself up for Chicago and, and on forward. A lot of positive things happening for Ryan Blaney, newest member of Team Penske 100% this week. Good point, Dave. 100% now. And Ryan Blaney and Paul Menard are the latest drivers to announce their rides for 2018. Alex Bowman, of course, announced last week he will take over the 88 car from the retiring Dale Earnhardt Jr. And Eric Jones will replace Matt Kenseth in the 20 car at Joe Gibbs Racing. Seems like that announcement was like five weeks ago. So, um, no. So, with all this latest announcement, guys, who are the winners out of the situation with Menard and Blaney moving to, to the teams they're moving to next year? That's a good question. Um, it, I think everybody in this group has won. We gotta, we've got to take Richard Childress and move him to the side because I think he's the one that's lost in this, organiz yes. in, in this whole shuffle. Um, but if you look at Penske, with the Ryan Blaney move, they win. If you look at the Wood Brothers, keeps them in the game. At a time where Paul Menard is going there, and Dale Jarrett said it yesterday, Menard's going to a team that is peaking at the top of their game, mm -hmm. the best they've been in the last few years. A winning organization now that can go out and compete week mm -hmm. in and week out. Uh, so we look at those two guys on that. But I look at those other moves too. Uh, and you look at Jones. Uh, you look at Eric Jones. Uh, you look at the other moves that have been made. These are moves that were made for the future. We're not talking about silly season 2018. 
These are moves that we're going to be talking Great about point. Yeah. Uh, at Gibbs and at Penske, and they, these are long-term plays right here. This is not just about 2018. Yeah, I, I think what we saw yesterday was Roger Penske saying, okay, I have my lineup set for a while. Uh, you know, it was just announced earlier with Brad and Paul Wolf. Uh, he's got that done. We know Logano is there. And this is saying this is the, the organization we're going to have. We're going to have three young drivers that we can build this organization around sponsorship everything we they're talented and I think one thing that that drove Roger Penske there it was great for him to have the opportunity to kind of see what Ryan Blaney could do on the big stage and you know he I don't know that he was actually expecting to get as much yeah. as they got and that's nothing against the Wood Brothers but they hadn't been you know at this level and doing a full season in a long time but Jeremy Bullins came in there and uh, they have really performed at a high level and I think Roger said I can't be having him get away <laughs> and so you know this is also uh, a good opportunity for them to uh, look at their program and say this is what we're doing and this worked out great for the Wood Brothers I know yes. you know Lynn and Eddie are yeah. some of our best friends and for them him now to probably get because uh, the Menard sponsorship is a very good dollar-wise sponsorship, and Paul is an outstanding driver. Yes. So yeah. there's a lot of good things for the Wood Brothers as we look forward with this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to say this about Paul. I, I think sometimes we overlook Paul yeah. because he's been in so many deals that weren't stable, that were either trying to build back yeah. or had already peaked and gone over the top, and point. was trying yeah. to find. It. This is really I look at it and say this is Paul Menard's best shot. Best shot yeah. where this team is right now to step into a car that won a race in 2017. You've got to be pretty confident about that. So let's flip the script. You mentioned it a moment ago, and I think we all know the answer, but who's the loser in this scenario? Well, I, I think, okay, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to use the same terminology as I used with the others. I think these were long-term plays. So I think short-term, the play, uh, the loser is, is RCR Racing right now. Short-term, the way, what we know. I'm just saying what we know sitting here at this table. Now, Richard may have a totally different plan, and I've seen this guy scramble and make things happen when it looked like there was no way yeah. that RCR was ever going to survive. He was almost at that place when he put Dale Earnhardt Sr. in the car back 10,000 years ago. Uh, honestly, if you, if you remember that time and was around the sport at that time. But I think he short-term is. Long-term, Richard may have put himself in a pretty good place uh, for a lot of things to happen to him in the future, though. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I think you know, his ultimate goal is, is to have both Ty uh, there uh, along with Austin and, and pro provide them the very best that he possibly can. Uh, but it's hard when you take a, a dollar sponsor uh, with Menards uh, away because that has helped you know, fund this, yeah. this team. But Richard has a lot of things going on outside of there. So I think he's going to be okay. This is someone that, as you have pointed out, he's found his way through some of those difficult times of this sport. And I don't consider this one of the most difficult yeah. times. I'm pretty sure that he's got some, <laughs> some well-laid plans there. And uh, he'll let us in on that soon. By the way, real quick, you guys love the traditional look of the 21. How's that going to look with the Menards on the side? It's going to look a little, a little different. different. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. Oh, oh, no, Neon orange I've got to say, I changed that tradition when I went there back in yeah. 84, did, 85, yeah, and put a yeah. 7 on it yeah, where right. it had always been 21. So <laughs> I, I understand that part. Very good point. As we mentioned earlier, Ryan Blaney will look to sweep the Pocono weekend this weekend coming up, or the Pocono season, we should say. And he'll be our guest next Tuesday right here on NASCAR America, live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. You know, we have a lot of success with guys who are yes, on that yes. Hall of Fame show. Yeah, 
he might just sweep the Pocono weekend. Who knows? So uh, it's going to be interesting to have him on the show next Tuesday. Some news from today. Joe Gibbs Racing has suspended two crew members from the 78 team of Martin Truex Jr. after a confrontation with Kyle Busch's crew chief, Adam Stevens, last weekend at Indianapolis. Let's take a listen. change there. Now the tire changers, Chris Taylor and Lee Cunningham, both of Martin Truex Jr.'s tire changers are suspended for the next three races. Kip Wolfmeyer and John Royer, who are veterans, will replace them. JGR obviously provides the pit crews for the 78 team. So I guess the, the, the immediate question is, guys, does JGR have jurisdiction to do this? I mean, it looks like it's obviously going to provide them somewhat of a competitive advantage on pit road. Okay, after seeing this, I have to admit that I was wrong when I said these guys weren't teammates. Uh, and, and, I mean, they had team orders at the end. You know, they were like, well, I'll let you lead. You okay. let me lead. Yeah, yeah. And they made the comment. And I said after the Indy race, I don't see them as teammates. This is front row. That's Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, but when Joe Gibbs can suspend members of this team, uh, that's a deep contract, dude. That is, uh, there's a marriage license in there somewhere. This is not a contract. These well, now, two teams I mean, are, they are employees I, of Joe I, Gibbs I, racing. I, and I, listen, I understand that. I understand that. But they're leased or they're loaned out, or whatever the, or whatever the deal is, to another team. Uh, so when you step into this, has Joe Gibbs racing, do, does that mean they stepped over the line and now they're in uh, Barney Visser's business? Because basically by suspending these guys from that team, that's Barney Visser's business right there, okay? Um, that would be like me walking in your business right next door here and just telling two or three guys, don't come back to work tomorrow, it's okay. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna like that, are you? No, I wouldn't okay, like so that. I, so. But I don't know what their deal is. Listen, we're all speculating because we don't know how tight these two teams are. Yeah, we've always wondered. It's slippery slope, to say the very sure. least yes. here. And we've always wondered about these type situations. It's really the first time that we've had something come up like this. My, my question is, by what I'm seeing here and by what I've heard, Adam Stevens went to their pit box mm -hmm. and confronted them. So why are these, I, I realize maybe they, you know, are supposed to talk. Maybe Cross the line a little bit, maybe. Well, maybe so, but I mean, he came over there and got in their face right from the very beginning. So I'm not sure why they're to be suspended unless there was something that brought him in that, that we don't know yeah. about that brought him there right. directly uh, because of that. So, but again, uh, we you always had to know that this was a possibility. When you start providing uh, opportunities for, for other teams and things, and you're, I, I still don't consider them teammates, yeah, KP. I'm with you. I don't <laughs> think that you know, right. they're, they're within the Toyota organization, and there's a lot of things they get from JGR, but uh, you know, that's, this is going to be uh, yeah. an ongoing battle, especially as you look as they get ready. You know, what if this would have happened in the playoffs? Right. I think we haven't heard the last of this debate either, have we? I think yeah, this no. is going to go on for a couple of weeks. Well, up next, Matt DiBenedetto joins the show, and he's got something special for us. His throwback paint scheme for the Southern 500 at Darlington. Which legend will his 32-car pay tribute to? Find out when NASCAR America returns. Formula One is on NBCSN. A record five wins in Budapest isn't enough for Lewis Hamilton, of course. See if he makes it six in the Hungarian Grand Prix Sunday morning, 7.30 Eastern on NBCSN. 
Who is that? in the shop first thing and I'm not carrying all the trays. They're like, nope, nope, get out. No, you're not allowed in here. <laughs> we now welcome our special guest, driver of the number 32 Ford Fusion for Go Fast Racing, Matt DiBenedetto, who That's always right, likes to man. have that fun. not right. Which part's not right, KP? The, the cupcake thing. The oh, hair's okay. right. The hair, you're spot on with the hair, dude. What about the, the, what about yeah, the beard the with beard. the wig? Yeah, I don't know why you didn't wear them together. I, that would have been better, but... The cupcake thing. You gotta right. love how he loves to have fun, though. You, you Come on, Kyle, that, right? right? Got, yeah, I do love that. You know? I do love that. And this is a race team who's coming off one of their best finishes of the season at Indy. They finished eighth, so congratulations. Thank you. Those are uh, big days. I guess I just save our big moments for you know, yeah, the little races. Yeah, 500. Yeah, just those couple 400. little ones. Yeah, I, they don't pay much for the team. I just figure we'll get the good runs out of the way. The little <laughs> races of the year, so... Uh, not a bad day for us. You can call yourself Money Man. You know, you're showing up at the money time. You know, they're yeah. doing this with, what are, you, what are you doing this with, 15 employees? Yeah, we've got a whopping 15 employees at our organization. That's our uh, every department you can think of. And, um, yeah, we're on a significantly smaller budget than some folks. But uh, we try and make the most of what we got, that's for sure. Probably less people than you had to race with, KP, back in the day. 15, yeah, my dad gave me like three. <laughs> so ask Mike Bean, you'll tell you. Okay. But, but here's, here's my question. Um, and, and, and I know every team goes to the racetrack saying, we're going to kick their butt. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the goal. Um, but when you say 15, how do you manage expectations within the team? I mean, the driver's one thing. But, but within the whole team, how do you manage expectations? Yeah, you know, it, it's tough because you got to keep it in, in perception that your, uh, your versions of wins are a little different yeah, than everybody yeah. else's versions of wins. Exactly. Yeah, it's been cool. Like, the fans and everybody have really embraced our story and understand. I think we've uh, done a good job of putting it out there. If it's a small little family effort. So, family team effort. But, um, yeah, I mean, see, it's tough to as a competitor. You want to go there and be like, yep, yeah, we're, we're going to win, you know. But uh, when we finish, obviously, top 10s, top 15s, those are – you have to keep in perspective. That's our wins. All right. When, yeah, this what I'm, I'm trying to establish what your win is. On a regular week, where what what is a successful week for you? We look at it as who we're racing around. Yeah. So I would say on a regular old week where it's not a ton of chaos yeah, yeah. like yeah. Indy was, yeah. um, a, a top 20 is a really good day. Top 25s, if we just do our job, that's we had a solid day we're racing. Um, like a lot of times recently we've been racing around, if we're racing around guys like A.J. Owending or we've been yeah. racing around Paul Menard lately, sometimes Austin Dillon, stuff like that. If we're doing that, granted, we like that and we're like, man, that's awesome. They probably don't like that because yeah. they know we're yeah. on a lot smaller budget than them. So those are our goals. We just kind of look at who we're racing around and, hey, that guy's on a, in a $30 million car. We're in a $5 million a year car. Hmm. Good day for us. Yeah. So at the end of the Indy race, were you sitting there kind of looking around going, hey, I'm going to finish in the top 10 here. Yeah. Everybody around me is wrecking. Exactly. You're, you dodged all of that stuff somehow. Yeah, we had a solid car all day. It ran fine. Again, we were racing around some, some people uh, that we were happy to be racing around. And then uh, my car luckily fired off on restarts well. Best thing ever. Best time for it to fire off well on restarts because at the end we could, uh, you know, car-wise on restarts, people were all fighting so hard to get down to the bottom. Mm -hmm. I'd leave it in third gear on the restarts, roll right around them on the outside. So we'd pick off a few, then they'd crash. Do another restart, <laughs> pick off another two or three, then they'd crash. I'm like, we're going to win this thing before long. Keep going, guys. That's Keep awesome. doing your thing. Please another restart. Please another restart. You said you had the save of your life at some point in that race. I, I don't know when that was, but uh, what was that? 
Yeah, we were uh, going into turn three, and obviously everybody's drafting, sucking up, and and uh, I think we were three wide getting into three. It may have been Landon Castle. That crazy, I don't even know who got into me. But, uh, yeah, we're all diving into three, and uh, it got a little narrow, and I happened to be on the outside <laughs> of it, and then next thing I know, I get clobbered in the left rear. You're only going 200 and something miles an hour off in there. And I didn't get tapped in the left rear and get turned sideways. I got clobbered in the left rear, turned it like literally a couple rounds to the right and facing the infield and gassed it up and saved it all the way up to the hill. And That's I was like, oh, impressive. man, so glad we didn't tear it up. And we can't afford to tear up race cars, too, on top of that. So yeah. it's a lot a lot to manage in one race. Yeah, and, and speak to that. How, how hard is it to race? And, and we talk about managing expectations, but manage the race where you have a car that you can load up when the day is over with. It is so important. I, I can't trade the world for what I've learned over the past few years. And if I get that opportunity to be in um, top-funded stuff, I feel like it's this is all going to be the best learning I could yeah. have done, and I'll be so, so ready to hop in and win races. But it's hard because you want to go for it. You're, you're racing. Everybody is out of control at the end. You've got to go really hard, and you have to be really aggressive to get those good finishes. But... We also rotate on the normal tracks between two to three cars. Yeah. Um, and we actually thought we might have gotten the random at, after the race is over for inspection where they take your car, tear mm -hmm. it apart. We were like, we literally need that car for next week. That's our backup. Like, we rotate between two or three cars. So it's really hard to uh, manage all that where you have to race really hard, race your tail off and pick off all those positions, be crazy on restarts. But also, if we can load it up and not put too many scratches on it, that's huge for us. Yeah. All right, well, coming up next on NASCAR America, we'll unveil his Darlington paint scheme in a car that Kyle says changed NASCAR forever. And also, we have a surprise for Matty D. You don't want to miss it. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Hey, before we continue with Matty D, we want to show you a really fun piece of video. Chase Elliott, of course, blew the engine early at Indianapolis. And one of his biggest fans, three-and-a-half-year-old Bo Kalp from Columbus, Georgia, was not very happy about it. Bobo, what happened? What happened to his car? What happened to his car? Are you okay? Oh, poor little buddy. Now, I feel so bad for Bo all of a sudden. <laughs> two, two things, two things. I never saw anybody try to console him, okay? <laughs> Nobody ever Bans said were, anything. Yeah, were milking I, the moment. Let, let, let me just say that. And number two, that's... That is a reenactment of what Chase did when he got up in the lounge of his truck. Okay, so that's just a reenactment right there, people. Now, Penny, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so little known fact, you were a Jeff Burton fan growing up. Did you ever do that when Jeff Burton blew up and went out of a race? I was pretty intense with my races. Yeah, I don't know if I went quite that far. And I saw, I want to point out, I saw the mother, you said no consoling. I saw the mother just trying desperately not to laugh in the back. Yeah, right. That's all I saw. And the dad is milking, milking it that along. Perfect, Poor right. little Bo, but yes. such a great piece of video we had to share it 
with you guys. So uh, happy to see race fans, young race fans out there like that. So I want to talk about, obviously, Darlington coming up. And, and you have a huge, cool paint scheme that we want to unveil here yeah. on the show today. Kyle says this car changed racing forever. I but that, I, I, I want I to know that. from you, first of all, honoring Bobby Allison like this. That is awesome that we get to uh, honor the Allison family like that. And that's an iconic car. That was number 12 Miller High Life car. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, and Kyle Petty had some comments on that car, like you said. <laughs> Why did you choose this car? Uh, so it was kind of, a, obviously, it's so iconic of a car. Yeah. But um, our sponsor, CorvetteParts.net slash KeenParts, we have to be a little touchy with that since we drive a Ford. <laughs> but um, they, they was very special to them as well. And obviously, who's going to turn down the opportunity to, to carry that car around Darlington? No, that that's that's so, cool. I, I like that. That's right in the wheelhouse of what throwback what, years what are. That's be, what right? it's supposed to be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Why did the car change because NASCAR history? Because they put history? that air dam on the front. They, <laughs> let, they let cars run that air you dam. You were all upset and about that's, this. And that's right, because that's got us to where we are today with all this aero and all this stuff. If we we had never run that before that. Cars actually had steel bumpers. Just thought I'd throw that out. I don't. I know you don't know what a steel bumper <laughs> car is because you started a long time before that. But that's a whole nother. First thing you could have the cameras on when we were off air for yes. a little bit. Oh, so they could have heard the real. Your car looks great, though, man. Great job on on the throwback paint scheme. Real yes. quick, I want to talk to you about Bristol. You have so much fun with your intro song. You put a lot yeah. of work. I wish Kyle Petty would have had the intro song when he was driving. Mm. You would have had so much fun with that. But you put. Tell the folks at home how much work you put into coming up with stuff like this, like ZZ Top. Uh, so that one came from, my dad stole all of our thunder at my wedding, mine and my wife's <laughs> wedding. He came in, we all had to come into a song, and he came in dressed as ZZ Top. Nah. And I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. So I was like, can I do that? That'd be hilarious. Taylor so Swift. My, yeah, then the T-Swift one with my wife. So this all turned into, oh, this will be funny and fun to share with the fans. Now it's a demand. Yeah, I have oh yeah. everyone has expectations now. Little did I know I was going to be have so much pressure put on me. So now that that people think that's more important than the race now. <laughs> you set the bar really high. You set uh, that unfortunately, bar really high. yeah. But now everybody wants to see what you're going to do for August. So yeah. you already got that in the works, I'm assuming, or what? Yeah, I feel like if I, I go through with my idea, it's going to be the <laughs> most embarrassing by far. No, 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 no. no, 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 no it's not embarrassing. It's right? cool. It is cool. Luckily, no shame job. in my game. Yeah, you do a great me. job, man. Hey, Kyle, I searched everywhere for athlete birthdays today. I came up with one. Jordan Spieth's birthday is today. Do you That's know that? Huge, yeah, man. Big for Jordan. He just won the he just yes. won the British Open. He turns 26 today. So yes. congratulations, Jordan Spieth. Today is his birthday. Anybody else's birthday? Oh wait, there's Anybody one more. One Look, more. and the, and the oh, cupcakes. Wait, the cupcakes are being delivered by the Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. Maddie right. D's birthday like, is today. Turn 24. Are a big part of your life, oh. and when you have good things happening, so yeah. we thought we would start it off something happening before. <laughs> let me just say this. Yeah, let me just say this because and because we, we ran too. the piece. We ran the piece when you had one of your career best at Bristol, and you brought yeah. cupcakes and everything to the shop. Yeah, yeah, and I made fun of you because I was going to pull your man card. <laughs> Pizza and beer should come to the shop. Cupcakes, what the crap is cupcakes? And yeah. then they said, you baked them. Did you bake? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> so I'm like, birthday, yes, we're bringing, yeah. we're bringing cupcakes. And there. Kyle, I don't know why he had the specific order. He wanted girly birthday Yeah, I wanted girly ones too. And, yeah. and here, and save the, we've got a lot of candles, so save it so you can wax your mustache and your legs. All right, there are you, you go. Are you trying to say something about me here? <laughs> I'm picking up one. Out. If you want, why don't you and KP feed each other like we saw No, in the video? we are not doing that, dude. We're not. <laughs> I do like All right, we, yeah, found, we yeah. found KP's breaking point. <laughs> yeah, But I will eat the, I'll eat the icing. Mm -hmm. All right, and know? there's a card from me and DJ and Kyle yes. just for awesome. your birthday. Yes. So I signed Thank a Cal you. Weathers. <laughs>
Very cool paint scheme. We're excited about you honoring Bobby Allison yes, at Darlington. Really cool. Happy yeah. birthday in all sincerity, and yeah. uh, go get you another top ten this weekend yeah. at Pocono. Thanks, guys. Sounds good, good to me. All right, there you go. That's the plan for Matty D. Our thanks to him for joining us today. I'm not sure if he'll ever come back, but we appreciate <laughs> him being here. Hey, next up, a story that is near and dear to this guy's heart, no doubt about it. But first, a quick reminder about what's coming up on NBCSN tonight. Get your Thursday nights in gear with Overdrive Thursday. A lineup of motorsports only on NBCSN. With drag racing adrenaline meets off-road grit Man, and mechanical ingenuity. It's automotive art at top velocity. Overdrive Thursday starts tonight at 8 on NBCSN. Kyle Spetty, Petty scored eight wins in his NASCAR Cup Series career, including a dominant victory at Pocono in June of 1993. Kyle led a race-high 148 laps and beat Ken Schrader to the checkered flag by five seconds. The Pocono victory is one of six Kyle would claim with then-owner Felix Sabatis. Kyle and Petty and Felix Sabatis were a bit of an odd couple, to say the least, as driver and owners go, but their friendship they formed back in the late 80s is one that will last, no doubt, a lifetime. Felix Sabatis is like a second father to me. There was a time, a really tough time, last year, when we all thought we'd never see him again. We were preparing for the worst. Because I was the week of the shower, right? Yes, yeah. So that brother close to go to the channel. Yeah, a, a lot of people did. And somebody said, it's a good thing you didn't die that day, because that was qualifying day. <laughs> <laughs> I spent eight years racing for Felix. It was the best time of my life. Yeah, we were an unlikely pair. A long-haired country boy from North Carolina and a Cuban millionaire who had fled Castro's communist revolution when he was only 15. I left with $25 and two boxes of cigars. That's all the money I had. The biggest adjustment was I did not speak a word of English. I got a job at the age of 15 shoveling coal in the coal furnace. I mean, I worked in the hospital washing pots and pans, and then I came to North Carolina. I worked at a furniture factory in Lexington, 80 cents an hour. My first real job ever was selling cars. But Felix made his fortune in the retail business, Atari and Teddy Ruxpin, then Compact Computers. In the first year out of the box, we did a billion dollars in sales. Wow. First year. That's what afforded me to have a race team that you can go wreck cars. <laughs> <laughs> in 1989, fellow Charlotte businessman Rick Hendrick sold Felix a NASCAR team. He also offered to help him find a sponsor and a driver. What were you thinking when Rick said, I, I know this unemployed guy named Kyle Petty? You said, why do you want to hire me? I said, because you're young and you got a name. And if you're going to market somebody, you are the perfect yeah. person for that. Box corner number four, the checkered flag waves, and Kyle Petty has won. And car owner Felix Sabatis is here in victory lane. Kyle Petty, for the third time, breaks the bank at Rockingham. This is my 30th year, the best eight years, the eight years I've Mine too, man. We became family. Felix tasted even greater success, partnering with IndyCar champion Chip Ganassi. Race teams, car dealerships, community projects. It was a hectic pace every single day. January, when I went to the 24 hours of the Daytona, I wasn't feeling well. I came home and woke up the next morning, and I can't breathe. So I drove myself to the hospital. And the minute they saw me, I was in intensive care. 
and I spent two and a half weeks in the hospital then, I should have known that I wasn't cured. And I kept pushing myself and pushing myself. And in August, my blood pressure was through the roof. My oxygen level was a 55, which is, should be dead then. And my pulse was like nothing, even though I got a pacemaker. And I remember when they put me in the ambulance, he said, put your foot in the gas, I'm gonna lose him. And that's the last thing I remember for three months. I spent 29 days in a coma. They thought I was brain dead. They were pretty much gonna disconnect me. So four o'clock in the morning, they took my tubes up. All of a sudden, I started going like this with my arms. I had to learn to walk again. I couldn't walk. I couldn't feed myself. I kept doing exercise and working with the therapist, and I'm playing golf again. I'm lucky to be here. You are lucky to be here. There were numerous times I come over and stood at the foot of the bed. I was dead. And I didn't think. You know, I used to worry about little things. Now I don't even worry about big things. How does it make you feel when you go back in the garage area? And so many people who had bought funeral clothing are now like right there beside of you. You know, there's a guard in one of the gates in there yeah. that gives away kisses, little candy kisses. Yeah. The guy grabbed me, hugged me, and I started crying because he was crying. He said, everybody said you were dead. And the, the love that people show me in that garage, cause in the business world, the probably wishing that I die so they can take up my business. Not in the NASCAR family. And you can see the full version of that Sunday on NASCAR America, or Countdown to Green, I should say, and an amazing feature, Kyle. Great job on that. I, I, we sort of heard it there, but what did Felix mean to you in your career as a driver, but more as a man? Yeah, everything. And that's that's no joke. I, I think and and I think when you're in this business, it is family. And we heard Felix speak to family. Um, but there's people that come along once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime, and touch your life. And that's the way Felix was for me. Um, taught me so many things about business, about life, uh, about family. He never let his kids walk out that door without telling them that he loved them mm. and, and hugged them. That's not a southern thing. That's a Cuban thing. Okay, that's not a, you know, and, right. and it was just different, the things that he taught you. But um, through all that we went through and all the good times and all the bad times, um, I still consider him my best friend. I mean, we talk. Uh, I went to the hospital to see him. His family was there all the time. And he's just a great individual. And, and you know, yeah. uh, he drove against him. And Felix <laughs> would spend as much time talking to Dale Jarrett and, and talking and out just seeing everybody. Yeah. He is incredibly social. Yeah, just an incredible person. I mean, the story is incredible. If he yeah. wasn't in racing, just yeah, sure. you know, you heard yeah. that. Just what he did to to make it here and, and make him the, the man that he is. But you know, I have to say, Kai, you know, we all have successes and we have failures and things. But the thing that is most uh, important to all of us, I think, are the friendships that yes. we take away from here. Yeah. And yes, he talks about. Uh, you talk about being uh, him being a friend to you and a father figure, yeah. but he's also got a huge friend in you. Yeah. And I know that for as sure. he was going through this, I could tell how much it was yeah. bothering you. And just uh, for you to go there and take that time, but uh, you know those special friendships, uh, you know, are, are times that we, we cherish more than anything else. Yeah. So let me ask you this: Why would he still want to be involved in the sport? Does he get what because does he, he get? He loves the people. Yeah. He loves the people. You heard him talk about gate guards, uh, guys that have worked. For Felix and I, when when we had the team, when it was Sabco, and now it's Ganassi, mm -hmm. guys that work for other teams that come over. Um, he used to love to sit on the back of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s <laughs> boat uh, and say, see that boat over there? Mine's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I mean, that, that's, that's the way he is. But, I mean, 
but he loves the people. He loves the fans. He loves the officials. He loved Bill France Jr. Loved Bill France Jr. So I, I think from that standpoint, yes, a lot of people outside may have wished something bad had happened to Felix, but Felix knows yeah. the people inside that garage area yeah. prayed for him every day. Yeah, and he's a rock star. You go somewhere yeah. with Felix, <laughs> everybody <laughs> knows him. Doesn't matter where you go. If you walk around Charlotte with Phoenix, everybody knows <laughs> yes. him in Charlotte, I sure. can tell you that. We're we'll looking forward to the full version of that Sunday coming up on Countdown to Green. Well, we'll shift our focus back to Pocono in the Tricky Triangle. Kyle and DJ will tell us why breaking and shifting will be such a huge factor on Sunday. The offseason is over. It is time to get down to business at Daytona. Ryan Reed comes to the start-finish line. Reed is now a two-time Daytona winner. I don't know how it looked from the stands or TV, but from my point of view, it's a lot of fun. On the pole this afternoon, Elliot Sadler. What is the flip thing? Your side skirt is illegal right now. It's sticking way too far out. The road always a dangerous place. And look at the fall that Kyle takes. The crew was definitely not done, and they put their hands up afterwards like, what in the world? You're doing such a good job with the break, you know, Gray. I don't want to mess it up. But the hair looks beautiful. It is incredible what this young man has done. I think the bigger question is what can this young man not do? Will he be able to hold him off? William Byron wins at Indy. And we will rejoin the NASCAR Xfinity Series from the Iowa Speedway in Newton, Iowa. No tough drivers whatsoever. That's right, the Xfinity Series back in Iowa this weekend where they were five weeks ago, and William Byron won there. Two, that's this Saturday, 3.30 Eastern on NBC. And then Sunday, the Monster Energy Series takes to the Tricky Triangle at Pocono. Sunday, 3 Eastern on NBC SN. So, KP, let's talk about your favorite racetrack, Pocono, the Tricky Triangle. So, it, I don't understand how we go there five weeks apart and the racetrack's completely different than it was five weeks earlier. How is that always the case? Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that either. But it always has yeah. been that way. It has always been that. That's not a new phenomenon where they repaved it or they changed something. It was that way. My dad used to go up there and race in the early 70s, run the USAC mm -hmm. race, and it, it was it was a, a strange little place then. But then when we started running twice, it was always that way as a driver. Yeah, it's just so unique. I mean, we, we talk about, we were talking last week about Indianapolis and the four distinct corners. Well, you have three completely different yeah. corners. At least the ones at Indy look somewhat alike. The right. three corners here look nothing alike, and they drive nothing alike. So as a driver, it's a real compromise. Yeah, you want your car to handle as good as you possibly can in every one of the corners, but it, it is so different uh, when you go back there from one race to the next. I don't know if it was the, you know, getting the rubber down the first time, and then you come back. It obviously, or generally, it's a little bit hotter, but we saw a lot of brake issues, yeah, a lot of transmission yeah. issues. That was one of the hardest. That was really scary to yes. see that and we've seen a number of others but I, I'm sure that drivers have gone to their crew yeah. chiefs and said look I want a better brake package than I had uh, because they don't need to be dealing with that that into this longest straightaway that we have in this sport you're carrying way too much speed to be thinking about having issues with your brakes yeah you I, think? I think a lot of these guys I think a lot of teams underestimated the amount of brake that these guys were going to use in this race with this lower downforce yeah. package yeah. And some of the things, the way they're shifting now and not letting the engine drag the motor down or drag the RPMs down, uh, I think a lot of things came into play just in this race. And you think about the names that had issues in June. You got Jimmy Johnson, Jamie McMurray, Casey Kane, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Dale Earnhardt Jr. all had either shifting or brake issues. There's Jamie McMurray's right there. I mean, it, it, you, you got to wonder what is going on to make all this happen. I had a brake guy tell me Pocono is now the number one brake problem track 
and it's overtaken Martinsville. Well, listen, every team you named are capable of winning races. Sure. So they're going to run up front. They're going to run hard. They're going to stretch their boundaries. They're not going to run big brake ducks. They're not going to run the yep. big brakes that they can think they can get out with smaller unsprung weight and, and get out with smaller packages. They're going to press the limit no matter which way they go. Again, I think they just chose the wrong path on some of these guys. Uh, and that's why they run into issues. I don't think the guys that we saw that in this race have issues. I don't think you'll see them have issues in, in this coming up race. Yeah, there are better things that they can put on yes. the car, more reliable for that. But as you said, I think the lower downforce package caught them by surprise because it used to be that, yes, going into turn one was a heavy braking area, but it was quick. You're off of them. Yes. And then you really didn't use much over the tunnel and, and into turn three. But the way that they shift now, I, of course, I didn't do it right, but I used the engine <laughs> yeah. to, to make Make sure that exactly. it's helped slow me down to where I didn't have brake problems, but you didn't do that much with it. So now they're using heavy brake and downshifting later uh, in all three of the corners to make the speed. Well, you're both former winners there, so I think you both know what you're talking about, you know. So maybe that was the right way to do it, DJ. <laughs> okay, time to reveal this week's NBC Pit Crew All-Stars. We've got three more nominees. We'll start with Pennsylvania's own Josh Sebecki. He's a rear tire chain carrier for Clint Boyer. He also works as a fabricator on the 14 team during the week in the race shop. Next, we have Mike Lingerfeld, a longtime crew member in the garage area. He's a front tire changer for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's been a crewman at NASCAR's top level for nearly two decades, winning titles with Bobby Labonte, Tony Stewart, and Jimmy Johnson along the way as well. And lastly, Tanner Andrews. He's part of the pit crew for William Byron in the Xfinity Series. Prior to entering NASCAR, Andrews was an accomplished wrestler for the U.S. Olympic Education Center out of Northern Michigan University. And here's a look at this week's nominees, all three of them. We'll certainly talk about them throughout the weekend at Pocono and at Iowa. And of course, we will reveal, reveal this year's Pit Crew All-Star Team in November during Championship Weekend at Miami. Still ahead, three-on-three -three basketball NASCAR style. And while everyone likes to blame things on this guy, Kyle Petty, <laughs> he takes a bad rap, let me tell you folks. <laughs> NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. NASCAR drivers, athletes, and celebrities hit the hardwood yesterday for Austin and Ty Dillon's annual three-on-three -three charity basketball tournament at Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina. Nice pass from Austin there, by the way. Very impressive, huh? Among those who competed were the Dillon brothers, Ricky Stenhouse, and our very own Rick Allen. Look, here's proof. Oh, yeah. That was a board and a hoop. Yeah. Huh? According to Denny Hamlin, he just threw it up there, man, and it went in. <laughs> of course, all of this benefits the Children's Institute for Pediatric Trauma. I know that you're not behind the wheel of a car right now, but is this the next best thing? Come out, play a little basketball with some friends? Nobody's behind the wheel of a car today. It's <laughs> Wednesday. So uh, I'm all good. I'm just out here playing a couple b-ball games. Um, I'm not too good. As far as basketball, I can do like around the world and pig and horse. Here I feel like an ant. There's, uh, and there's some really good people here. Normally you'd see a golf event or maybe something different. Why why did you choose basketball? Because it's different. It's a lot of fun uh, getting people out here in something, an environment they're not with. It's grown substantially each year, and we can't thank everybody enough who come out and support us. And um, it's a really fun deal for a great cause in Children's Institute for Pediatric Trauma. 
I think we need to figure out what Ty's headband was. What, what was that? I'm not, I'm not sure, but it was nice. It was, it was, it was it nice? It, yeah, yeah. I like uh, it because it's different. You don't see that every day. You know, NBA. Rick, for as much grief as we gave him in Indianapolis, is going to say, well, I made a basket, yes. and you should play it on NASCAR America. Yeah, yeah. he's probably going to claim a lot more than one by the time the story oh, yeah, gets but, told. Yes. So I'm sure he had quite a yeah. few. By the way, did you hear that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is joining NBC? I, I know you said that. I, 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 I swear you, I didn't. You were I mean. on serious. You go, I hadn't heard the news. Um, so the other day on the show, Jeff Burton gave Dale Earnhardt Jr. a tip. Listen in. One trick I'm going to give you right now that Steve and I have used a lot is that when we say something is controversial, we just blame it on Kyle Petty. And everybody <laughs> tweets him, and they say all the bad stuff to him. That's, that's goal number one. Anything you say is controversial, just blame it on Kyle. Works good. Easy. That's easy. I yeah. got it. <laughs> you know, you already get... That is a fact, though. That's <laughs> a know, fact. Well, they do blame stuff on you, but you yes. already get all the tweets from fans who think that Steve LaTarte is you in the yes. booth. They, they, all, yeah. they all think you're in the booth every day. You know, I don't know if, if that's... People think that rednecks really do live in Maine, <laughs> where LaTarte is from, uh, <laughs> or if I have worked on my accent so much that my accent sounds like I'm from New England. I don't, I don't know why. I don't understand that. How I many don't. tweets do you get a day saying you're Steve listen, LaTarte? Listen, on, on Sundays, and they'll tell you, because we yeah. sat in the, and I, I show them all, man. I show them all. The nastier, the better. Um, but it, it, it is so funny. So many people were like, that stupid Kyle Petty, listen to what he just said in the booth. I'm like, I'm not in the booth. That's Steve. Sorry. So uh, I get a lot. The thing is, it wasn't like we weren't saying something stupid in the truck yeah, we were watching we, the race, yeah, but yeah, we just yeah, weren't on, we TV. on TV. True. Real quick, Junior's chances this weekend at Pocono racetrack where he swept before. He has. It's going to be tough though. You know, they're, they're struggling, yeah. and I've said this before. I think that uh, you know they just haven't found what they, their drivers are looking for with this lower downforce package, and uh, it's going to be tough. But a lot of strategy can be played if yes. you keep yourself in the game. Yes, and, and lightning can strike. Okay, <laughs> and, but but the way they run right now, lightning's going to have to strike. Well, and that's how Steve won kind of those both, sure. yes. both yeah, the races exactly. they swept. They use yes. they use strategy yes. to make it yeah. happen. But don't you think Hendrick Motorsports has found a little bit maybe? I, I think they're working extremely hard. They know how important it is yeah. for Dale Jr. to go to victory lane, so that, that benefits all of them, but they certainly need him in victory lane. Yes, they do. Hopefully in the next six races. I mean, I, you know, we're not pulling for anybody, but the playoffs for, with Dale Jr. Would we be need him in victory lane. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all for NASCAR America today. Make sure you check out NBCSports.com slash NASCAR America. Don't forget, Xfinity practice starts tomorrow at 5. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.